0: Oh, and welcome to Lore Watch a Roundtable form discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers on Blizzard Watch. I should say three though, because I mean, Joe may not be a writer, but he's definitely lore-focused. And with that, we're just going to jump into the introductions because obviously Joe is here. Hey, Joe Perez, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Apparently a little scatterbray this morning. I don't that's, know. That's okay. <laughs>
1: that's quite all right.
0: We've got our other lore focused being on staff with us as well today. That would be Matt Rossi. Hey Rossi. Greetings.
2: I am a lore focused being. <laughs> I focus you on You are lore.
0: eternal. That's that's basically where I was going with, with that, but it You guys,
2: I posted a picture to Twitter today which this yeah? is reminding me of. It was a picture of a fruit bat like on a whole bunch of fruit. Yes. And I captioned it, I am vengeance. I am the knight. I just imagine for some reason that's all I can think of is this little fruit bat going "Ah, I'm Batman (laughs) I'm Batman
0: imagine if if the bat that he saw for like reference wasn't the the cave bat but it was a fruit bat
2: it just a fruit bat comes in the window, flaps a, around a little bit. Uh, imagine, imagine out of, like, what Batman he's got there.
0: Imagine what Batman would look like if he had that for reference instead of
2: giant, giant friendly eyes.
1: That would be called Deflator Mouse from the Tick.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. even, even Deflator Mouse from the Tick wasn't cute. Fruit bats are actually freaking adorable.
0: They I are. I so, thought the
1: one from the live action was probably the closest to being.
0: True. The one from the animated series, though, Der Mouse was very much a direct rip on Dark Batman. We're totally getting off-topic, and by (laughs) off-topic, I mean we're talking about stuff that doesn't have to do with, you know, Blizzard lore. Uh, (laughs) The Tick is fascinating, though, by the way, and if you've never seen the animated series, I I highly recommend checking it out if you can find it anywhere. Uh, Same thing with Freakazoid, by the way. Uh, Anyway, this week, uh, well, last week... (laughs) <laughs> it's just been a week guys This is so cool I like this whole weekly thing that we've got going Anyway, uh, and it's only week two But uh, what we talked about last week We talked about the stuff that was actually in 8.2.5 So we talked about Wow, did you guys hear that? Because I just got like a notification And it was very loud um, I did not oh, I Okay, well anything. We'll see if that comes across in the recording If it does, I'm very sorry folks um, Anyway uh Last week we were talking about 8.2.5, we were talking about the cinematic, we were talking about the quest lines, we were talking about everything that did happen with 8.2.5, that final confrontation between Sylvanas and Saurfang that ended with us sadly losing Saurfang, but he kind of finished his life's journey, and I feel like his story finally came kind of full circle in a way that maybe I had hoped that Varian's would have And Varian's was, I mean, I think he got to a point where his story ended and I was okay with it, but I don't think it was as satisfying as this one, as sad as it might have been. What we're going to talk about this week, though, is the stuff that did not happen in 8.2.5 because there are certain plot elements and other things that maybe should have taken place and didn't for whatever reason. And one of those things, we're just going to flat out start with this, Tyrande. Tyrande, Malfurion, and the Night Elves were not really present at this whole confrontation. They were still in Darkshore. There was one small contingent of Night Elf archers that were there who were working under Chandris Feathermoon, who was there. Which also confused me. Yeah, and those were the only people that were there from the Night Elves, from the Calderay. Uh, There was an interesting conversational tidbit that you might have missed it, unless you were looking for it but if you talked to and before you started that whole assault with the the little cannon thing breaking the rocks in the canyon that kind of thing uh you could ask him hey where's Tironda at and he says that she is still in Darkshore and he fears that vengeance may have consumed her or that it's just concerning the route that she's taken um Rossi, I'm going to let you talk about this. What do you What do you think about that statement? And also, what do you think about the idea of Taronda not being there and what that says about the character? Okay. Um, Rossi when, has when a lot f- to say, folks. I'm just
2: I'm warning you now. <laughs> Go for it. When I, When I first read that, um, I had to like not do anything for a little bit because. Uh, you ever see a movie where like someone hits their foot with a hammer or something and it cuts to birds very far away, flying away as the, the scream comes out of them. It was like that. I, I think I yelled an F bomb so loud that my neighbors were concerned because I I don't, I don't like that Anduin said that. And I don't like his assumption that because she doesn't come when he calls her like she's his pet or something that that she's lost to vengeance. Mm-hmm. She went and she went into Darkshore by herself because he didn't provide any help. The mm-hmm. only help she got was from Gen Greymane and the and the Gilneans who had a has in what had happened because they lost their second home at the same time. They've now lost two homes to the Horde. Um, so that, that's the specifically way. Sylvanas. Yeah,
0: Rossi, I'm going to pause you just for a second because I want to ask: Do you have a bird or something going in the background?
2: There's a bird outside.
0: I can't okay. Really help him. All right, no, that's it's, not a problem. A I just wanted time. to make sure I was hearing something
2: that no, was It is it's the crow of evil that is following me around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Guest. Do I'm continue. To... It's a crow no. of vengeance. Do continue. I was just I was like, what the heck is that noise? Anyway, go for it.
2: Basically, what ended up happening if you remember back to the, the Terror of Darkshore, um, the the Night Elves and the Gilneans the the Worgen went in and in rec- effectively, I guess lore-wise, have reclaimed Darkshore. Like if in terms of the e games lore, the 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 night elves won that warfront. They claimed Darkshore. Mm-hmm. So with the night elves effectively having retaken Darkshore, what does that mean? Like in lore, why? What are they doing there? That's the thing we don't really know. We haven't seen anything. We haven't heard anything. If they've reclaimed Darkshore, do, are they living there? Like she's got an army. Taranda has an army. Like you know, the, the army of the of the Black Moon. They're effectively completely dedicated to this vengeance against the the horde for having burned down their you know world tree killing their people and and burning most of their lands. What is that army doing? We have no idea. Have they reclaimed Darkshore? Like and what does that mean? Like if if in lore the the night elves and the the worgen have taken Darkshore back, it's not livable. Like there were entire swaths of it that the goblins were burning with like you know like oil that they were ripping out of the ground. Um Sarfang and a bunch of Blood Elves and torrent and Trolls came down from the north and completely destroyed um, you know, the settlements that were there. There's almost no place livable in Darkshore. So we have no idea what Tyrande is doing to just to say she's consumed by vengeance. She might've just plain been busy. And at this point, I don't think she thinks Anduin will help her. So why would she keep go to help him? Do you know what I mean? Like it, the assumption that it's her crazed vengeance and not her caring for her people who have nothing and have been left, you know, without any alliance support, have managed to retake some of their land from the horde. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what he was looking for. I don't
1: know what why.
0: I he feel expected. like he was just concerned more than anything. There's a mm. different way
1: they could have portrayed that if that was the case. I agree with yeah, Rossi and the yeah. Because but like,
0: I, I feel like this may have been one of those points where. Maybe the dialogue didn't come off in the way that it was intended when it was written. Sort of like, uh, you know how Jaina came off at the end of the Siege of Orgrimmar cinematic? And it wasn't really that Jaina had gone nutso or anything like that. It was just the vocal stylings that they chose for that particular recording made her sound a little over the top.
2: This one doesn't have that that excuse because there's no vocal stylings. Anyone doesn't say Mm -hmm. anything.
0: But what I'm saying is sometimes as a writer and you know this, you should know this. Sometimes you write something and you mean something very specific when you write that piece of dialogue or when you write that sentence. And when you put it out there in the world, people read it an entirely different way that you didn't intend. And I'm wondering if this is one of those situations.
2: I, I mean, that's possible, but it doesn't change the fact that what's on the, what's on the page. The problem is that we have context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that context kind of, you know, we've already just went through two expansions of everybody acting like Jaina was completely nutty cuckoo for her stand against the Horde. And now we've got Taronda, who literally just saw her people sent into Diaspora her capital city burned not just the capital city, but the entire starting
0: area around it burned thousands dead
2: and you know her. The thing that was created,
0: technically speaking, as a beacon of hope of sorts for the Night Elves who had just lost Hyjal and Nordrasil. Keeping in mind that Fandral really wasn't supposed to plant that tree to begin with, but at the same time it was a new world tree in which they could settle, much like they did in Nordrasil, and that whole thing was just torch. And not only that, I mean, what we keep forgetting too when we talk about
2: about Heldrassil, is that the ending of, of the the novel um, Stormrage makes the point that two of the three dragonflights came and blessed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Nosedormo only one who didn't,
0: didn't. Yeah, the only one who didn't was Nosdormo. He didn't come in and say, "Yeah, I'll give you guys immortality again." No. Yeah,
2: but the other two, you know, Ysera and Alexstrasza both blessed that tree. It was on an, on the mend. It was now, you know, if it if you didn't count it as a world tree before, it was certainly one now. Yeah. And not only that, but that event was when Malfurion came back. And when she and Malfurion started their relationship up again for real. It's when they actually finally sat down and said, we're married now. If, it seems insane to me that they never did that before, but it's in the novel. You have to accept that it's when it happened. So... It's an extremely important thing, even if it isn't very old. It's like 10,000 10, years and they hadn't yeah. had a wedding, but okay. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. But, but then like you to have thousands die when the tree is burned to have, you know, that blow at the end of a series of blows. Cause they got pushed out of both. They got pushed out of Ashenvale too. Oh yeah. They didn't just get pushed out of a dark show, They got pushed out of Ashenvale. They had like multiple towns burned or people poisoned.
0: I, like think the the Horde... best way, I think the best way to equate it is that what happened to Teldrassil and the surrounding areas was as much of a decimation of the Caldera population as the Scourge was to Lordaeron, or the Scourge was to the Blood Elves really. Yeah, there is a gigantic similar. swath of their, we're talking percentages way up in the double digits of the population that was just wiped out
2: and it's if you look, especially if you played the Horde side, which I did. I I, mm-hmm. I in fact I played the Horde Side before I played the Alliance side because I was so excited for my Torrent at the time. I remember taking my brand new high mountain torrent through, thinking this is gonna be interesting. And by the end of it, I was like, my my jaw was on the floor.
0: Absolutely horrified. Thinking, yeah.
2: I'm I, I just did that. That's me. This is my fault. So there's when you look at all that, the idea that you know maybe she is consumed by vengeance because we know she did she did not do the ritual and become the Night Warrior, but the thing is is that we know previous Night Warriors, people who wanted to be Night Warrior before Taranda, who didn't have a good enough reason in Alun's eyes, were just destroyed. Yep, she just destroyed them. Yeah. So and I, I, I feel so like there's
1: happened? one. I was gonna say I feel like there's one thing that and I, and I was ar- arguing this when it when it first happened. It's something that's that's weird to me, but also I think lends to the fact that I don't think she's "Quote unquote consumed by vengeance," and I'm a little angry at Anduin for even saying something like that. Even even if it was not as the intent of the writers to make it sound like that, Shandra's Feathermoon showed up, and there were actual Night Elves there. If she was so con- Rusty, she was Rust- so cons- okay. I was going to say if she was so consumed and so writing off that side of the Alliance no one would have shown up.
0: Okay, but here's the thing. Rossi had a really good point about Shandris on the Blizzard Watch podcast. And Rossi, I feel like you should talk about that in terms of Mayev versus Shandris.
2: Yeah, there is there is a little... Shandris was much more, <gasps> she mustn't do this. And Mayev was like the fool. She's going to get herself killed when you when sure. first find out about the Night Warrior. When Taranda becomes a Night Warrior, she turns to Mayev and says, I want you to lead this invasion of Darkshore. She doesn't turn to Chandris and say that. Now, there could be lots of reasons for that. One of them could be the familial relationship between Shandris.
0: She doesn't want to and... put Chandris in any yeah. undue danger. Yeah.
2: But to, to keep in mind Chandris and Maev have a really not great relationship. Mm-hmm. For one thing, that you know, Chandris was in love with Maev's brother, and Maev is crazy about family. So there was that problem. Mayev um, didn't
0: exactly approve.
2: Yeah, when that didn't happen, uh, she, you know, Maya have spent ten thousand years nursing a grudge against Illidan for what he tried to do to her brother, versus Shandris let him go and just did her life and, and led the led the Sentinels. They have different approaches to the whole "I'm going to kill all the mages" thing, which we have never properly dealt with, and it's in it's bizarre because in a way, it is. I think that that behavior on Maya's part is how she and Taronda have become more alike over the years. And
0: I feel like we should point out when we say kill all the mages thing, we're talking about the secondary storyline in the novel Wolfheart by Richard Knack, which, by the way, if you have not read, you really need to read that one.
2: Yeah, it's it it was Knack's
0: best novel. I, I kid you not. It was his best work. But in the there's... Warcraft franchise. He's written a lot of stuff outside of the Warcraft franchise that's ph- phenomenal, but within the Warcraft universe, yeah. that's the best one.
2: There's a lot of stuff between the Maiev and Tyrande relationship, where at one point Maiev flat out tried to kill Tyrande. Another time she, you know, basically almost allowed her to die. But I think as time has gone on, they're, the two of them have become both very ruthless. Sure. And that ruthlessness means that they kind of see eye to eye right now, in terms of what the Night Elves have to do to survive and to move forward. And I don't think Shandris is quite there. And I don't think it's a situation where M- Mayev and Taranda cannot just ignore Shandris or tell her not to do something because Shandris has been the general of the Sentinel Army for 10,000 years. And so if Shandris is like, I'm going to go take part in this Alliance war campaign, which she has been doing since before mm-hmm. the, the, the Darkshore invasion, they can't really stop her. Because a lot of those troops are loyal to Chandris first, before Taronda, and I think that's very interesting, and I think it does set up some stuff. Now, if Taronda had flat out told Chandris, "Don't go to Orgrimmar, come back here," then I do think Chandris would have gone home. So I do think there's some evidence, and that's
1: more what I was getting at.
2: No, I, I do think that there's that's valid, but we the problem we have is we don't know. We have nothing from Shandris as to what Taronda has told When you to
0: talk do. to her, she oh, doesn't talk, yeah. she doesn't say nothing. anything about any of that. Oh, no, yeah. she does not. So there's
2: there's certainly room to look at what's going on with the Night Elves. And the fact that they're there at all does mean something. But come on, it's a group of like 50. It's not a lot. Now, keep in mind, of course, that, you know, representations in game do not represent actual numbers. Yeah. It could be much more. It could be much less. But, but comparatively
0: speaking, when you look at the ratios, there's a lot less Night Elves than there are yeah. anything else there. It's a to- it's a token presence.
2: Um, it's It seems very much to be Shandris, Feathermoon, and those that are directly loyal to her personally, and which she felt she could bring without endangering anything else.
0: Anyway, go ahead, Joe. I do
1: think—I <laughs> mean, no, all I was going to say is, like, that's more akin to what I'm saying. Like, if it was—I don't believe that Tyrand would not know that Shandris was there— and I believe that if it was a case of she didn't want her to be there, she would have made that demand of her. And I mean, it's not something you tell your adoptive mother no to after all these years, if she didn't want you to be there. Yeah, Before,
2: plus, that, That's mean, all.
1: That's all I was getting at.
2: There is also the fact to consider that while Chandris and Tyrande do have a familial relationship, Chandris is general of the central army. Taronda is high priest of, and current representation of Loon's vengeance. Oh yeah. If Tyrande, if Toronto Whisperwind tells you do this, there's like, nobody including the archdruid Malfurion Stormrage who can actually say no to her. Yep. In her culture, there's nobody.
0: Malfurion <laughs> could try, but I don't think he'd get no, very he far. Wouldn't, he wouldn't even try.
2: No, Malfurion could there he could at, there were certain points in their relationship where Malfurion could have said to her, "I'm not bringing this the scenario circle into this. I'm not doing it. It's wrong." But I feel like after what happened at Darkshore, after what happened when sarfang attacked
0: him from behind, he's not, just as angry. Yeah. He look at that scene finally, with
1: them on the with, yeah. with the with the him in his what is it crow Bear form or was it, no the crow when he was in flight form yeah um yeah. him sitting on the branch in flight form next to the owl uh you know of Tarond and like Dude, that look that at scene. what he did
0: to that orc
1: oh god yeah but like you look at that and it's like he is he's on board he's not just like yes dear whatever you say he's like no this is. There's payback to be done here. There is, this is, because don't forget, the Horde didn't just hurt the people. They, like, as a, even as a Horde player, like, we, we destroyed that land. We raised so much of that land. So much of that natural order is just destroyed. And do you not think that Malfurion felt that as much as the death of his people? I would be hard pressed to say that he didn't. I think the fact that he was fully willing to go
2: fight Sylvanas one on one. Oh, yeah. No, and knew he could take her. That yep. says a lot. He had, no, he had no problem with that idea. He's like, yeah, I'll fight her. Of course I'll fight her. She'll be dead in five minutes. Yep. And, and she would have been.
1: Happen,
2: yeah, the only reason it didn't happen was because Sorfang attacked him from behind. Yep. And there's there's a lot going on with the Night Elves. I, I, I'll take your point that they could have, they might have meant that, you know, mere, merely that Anduin is concerned. But to a certain degree, it comes off as yet another dismissal of the alliance being angry at the horde for what they've done.
1: Yeah, and I'll agree with Rossi uh... on
2: that. And it comes back to me like the Theramore stuff. Okay. Where everyone's but... like, Jaina is crazy for vengeance. Now granted in the in the novel Tides of War, Jaina absolutely does go crazy for vengeance.
0: Over the to top. Like she yeah. was going she was literally going to flood Orgrimmar. And kill Thrall. Yep, yep. and And let's, everybody let's be clear. Everybody yeah. in Orgrimmar. We're talking about Yeah. Like, it, it, children, Infants, she didn't yeah. care.
2: She was going to do a Sylvanas to Orgrimmar. She was going to do exactly what Sylvanas did to teldrassil to She was going to do it to Orgrimmar. And when I say and kill Thrall, that's important too, because she and Thrall had a pretty close relationship before this. And she was not only powerful enough to kill the World Shaman, because she absolutely was, she was going to take him out, and he couldn't stop her. He couldn't even stop the elements from obeying her, because she had the focusing iris and she could just order them to do what she wanted. She was going to kill him right in front of Orgamar and then kill everybody in Orgamar. And when the, the former dragon aspect of magic showed up, he couldn't actually stop her either. He talked her down because he couldn't oppose her. So that's absolutely true. There was that point in the books. To, you know, Jaina was straight up crazy for vengeance. After that, though, the stuff we saw in game, she pretty much wasn't. Like, she she was willing to try and be neutral. She was willing to try and let the Horde be inside um, Dalaran. Did she go a little over the rails once they'd actually betrayed her? Yes, she did. Absolutely. The, pur- the Purge of the Sun and she, Reavers.
0: Honestly, she had good reason for it, though, because these yeah. guys were supposed to be loyal to the Kirin Tor, and they turned around and backstabbed. And the Kirin Tor, they're members of the Kirin Tor. The Kirin Tor is supposed to be a neutral entity. At that point, it was supposed to be a neutral entity, and members of that neutral entity went behind the backs of everyone and helped one faction over the other in a situation that may or may not have caused another Theramore, and that's what torched her off.
2: Yep, and so hearing him say this thing about Tyrande, whether or not... You know the intention, whatever the intention was of the writing. Hearing him say that, you know, I fear she's lost a vengeance when she hasn't done anything yet to to be said to be lost to vengeance. That bothered me. She all she yeah. didn't, all she did here was not come when he called her. Okay, and and, I, and didn't wait, I, and
1: didn't wait for the the delegation to to like have troops to send to help her get take back Darkshore. She just went herself.
0: Okay, but can I can I interject here and talk for a little bit? Yeah, go okay, ahead. I. I'm concerned There are a couple of things I am concerned with But before I go into what I'm concerned with I have a couple questions for you guys What do you think is going to happen To Tyrande Do you think Alune, What happens when the Dark Warrior is done Doing her Dark Warrior stuff Does Alune take that power back Or does Alune just keep them As the Dark Warrior forever Is it something that they carry with them Always Is she always going to have the weird freaky black eyes is that we don't know any of this because I, I don't think we've ever seen it in action before. But what do I, you guys you think? Right
2: now, one of the things I've been thinking about is we may have looked at a blood elf situation here. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if the high elf blood elf split didn't happen while we were playing world of Warcraft. It happened in the Warcraft setting. Yeah. It happened in Warcraft three. But if it had happened in, while we were playing world of Warcraft, if we'd had playable high elves and suddenly the Eye thing happened, I think that's what we're looking at. I think we now have two different groups of elves, and they just haven't actually come out and said it yet. I think we still have the Calderai. The thing is, is that we call them the Night Elves, but Calderai, word Calderai doesn't mean Night Elf. Children of the Stars. Yes. And I think what we've got now is we have the Nightborn. The Nightborn are actually, their name does mean Night Elf. I think it means like Shadow Elf or something. But it's much closer to Night Elf, like they're the Nightborn. They're born of the night. Calderai is, you know, children of it's children of the stars. I think the Dark Warrior coming in like this, and it's not just Taranda. Canonically, thousands of of Night Elves have joined her and have changed. My Night Elf has changed. My Night Elf has black eyes. My my Warrior, my my Death Knight doesn't because it just looks dumb. Uh, <laughs> you know, just the, the the two things do not work together. Uh, but my my warrior does because a lot of Night Elves have because a lot of them are that angry and that vengeful and that disgusted. There's like a great moment when Maiev is leading the attack on Darkshore and Syrah starts talking and you can hear horror and shock in Maiev's voice. I want to say flat out, uh, by the way, Maiev, I can't remember your voice actress at the moment, but you you did an amazing job on Maiev there. Uh, you The shock and horror came through really well
1: um debbie west
2: yeah she did yeah. an amazing job there's this she's just like sarah and it's just it's brilliant because maya is so usually so gravelly and growly and upfront that hearing her take it in the back and hearing just just how stunned she is to see one of like not just one of her own several of her own le- working for for uh sylvanas working to to keep Darkshore in the horde's hands and she's just she's horrified they're they are beyond angry here, and that's why I think there is this could very well be a split forever. Um, you're gonna have the children
0: of the stars, and you're gonna have the children of the shadows. Maybe or eclipse. You know, or eclipse. Because what... Yeah,
2: there's that moon hanging over Darkshore. That's the thing that really gets me. That moon is still there. Mm-hmm. There was Not... a
0: very physical
2: change, and it's just in that area too. That's yeah. the weird part. So it and it reminds me of Shadow Moon. Remember Shadow Moon Valley? Yeah. When, from the moment that the the dark star, the uh, Kure, I think, you know, is it Kara? Yeah, it's Kara. From the moment that Kara went into her void form above Shadow Moon, the place went dark. And we know from Legion that there's some sort of connection between Alun and the Naru. We don't know what it is. It was like a land of
0: eternal twilight,
2: kind of. Yeah. And that's Kalimdor's name. Kalimdor means land of eternal twilight. Like this it actually means land of eternal starshine. Um because Kalimdor, Kalderai, the, the Kal, means stars. Yeah. And so think about if Alun like loon, has a similar if loon has a similar aspect to the to the Naru in some fashion. We don't know what the connection between them is. We know that there's something. We know that the Tear of Alun was capable of restarting Zira's core, which was supposed to only work if a Naru related to her contacted it. So how did that work why did it work we don't know but we know there's something there's some connection and we now know that we've we've seen dark shore turn into another shadow moon valley another place where the night is eternal another place where the sun is never there the stars are always out the moon is always blocking the sun there's so joe are you
0: are, are you in agreement with this as far as this may be an actual like split
1: so I'm of torn here because that is definitely a very plausible thing that could happen, and I can definitely see all those those earmarks, right? All those all those signs definitely point to something like that. The other option is just due to the nature of a loon, right? A loon is supposed to be this goddess of moonlight, and what does the moon have? It has phases. It is to me, it's also possible, like the like you're talking about with the Naru, where they have their light dark cycles. What if this is something similar? What if once this is done the cycle moves from that eclipse from that darkness from that night uh, of no light no stars back to sort of that full moon that brightness it'll maybe it takes time maybe once that vengeance is enacted once everything is is put back right or at least sort of like the scales balanced out maybe things revert back the problem is it's really hard to tell because like Rossi pointed out Everyone who has ever sought this favor before has essentially exploded. For for lack of a better word, we don't know how they dissolved, but they they ceased to be, and that can mean a bunch a bunch of things. But they didn't survive, is what I got out of it, and I think what we took away from it. It's also possible that this could be a pure scenario, and maybe not necessarily the split, but of that end times that we talked about before. I was where... going to
0: say in the end time scenario. What happens is when she's—it's interesting because if you go back and you play through that scenario, um, she she talks about loon and mm-hmm. she talks about the darkness and. Um, Eyes of the goddess is one of her attacks, and she says, "Eyes of night pierces dar- darkness." Spear of a loon drive back the night for moon lance. First lunar guidance, she says, "Moon goddess, your light dims. I am lost without your guidance." And then the second lunar guidance, she says, "The darkness closes in. My vision is clouded." Tears of a loon, she says, "Mother moon, I can no longer see your light. Your daughter is alone in the darkness." Um, on her death in that scenario. She says, "I can see the light of the moon so clearly now. It is beautiful." That's all she says.
1: Yeah, and and but I mean that that's what I was asking. I was like, "Is that scenario is Dark Shore now her eternal prison?"
0: Yeah, because the yeah. echo of Tirana, what she says initially. I mean, North, Nos Dormu points out what's going on there—the perpetual midnight and everything—and she says, "There's nothing left for you here. Nothing but death and sorrow. The darkness surrounds you. The light of a moon is your only salvation." Like,
1: or give yourselves to the night Elune will guide you from this mortal prison. Yeah. So, like, and, that, and that's the thing. Like, it's also possible that there might not be a split. This might be self-immolating.
0: Yeah. And, and the adventure the adventure guide in this is interesting, too, because it says, once the leader of the night elves and high priestess of Elune, this time-twisted fragment of Taronda Whisperwind now wanders the wastes of the desolate future of Azeroth. Enveloped in a perpetual midnight, she has all but lost sight of the comforting light of Elune.
1: And maybe that's maybe that's what we're seeing here. It's like Tyrande, but
0: void form.
1: Kind of like because, I mean, if you think about it, like you said, that entire zone is completely changed. You look at it like I was talking about before. It's been completely desolated, like it decimated. It's everything is sort of falling into place to sort of fulfill that sort of prophecy. Uh, And I'm wondering if maybe she just her and her followers burn out because, again, it's not just her there either, too, in that scenario. There are sentinels, there are foot soldiers, there are wisps, there are all the, the night elf trappings that you would expect to see there. It wasn't just her. And what happens while we're there? We destroy them all. We have to get through all of them. And then it isn't until she dies to she finally released and can see the light, can see the peace again. So maybe this isn't a schism. Maybe this is the beginning of destruction of her and those that follow her most ardently. So- it's, it's weird
0: here's my here's my concern um and my concern mainly lies now I know I, I was the first one to jump in and say well maybe Anduin is just concerned about Toronto, right at the same time his choice of words is what concerned me because he said that she is he's afraid she's consumed by vengeance who's the other creature we know of who has also been consumed by vengeance in her lifetime or un-lifetime I guess
1: a certain Banshee.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of afraid that there's going to be this duality kind of dynamic where they're going to play it that Taronda, in her thirst for vengeance and the embrace of the Night Warrior, is basically follow- falling down the same path as Sylvanas and that there's a dichotomy there, and Sylvanas is going to have like this moment of realization where she goes, oh no, I can't do that, that would be bad, and then all of a sudden she's okay again, and the only reason I'm concerned about that is because that feels really trite to me. <laughs> I'm just saying it right off the, it feels really trite and it feels really. See, uh, I, my worries are related to that. Okay.
2: Because what I'm worried about most is that what will end up happening is we'll get to a place where Sylvanas is quote unquote stopped. Maybe she stops herself, whatever. And just as everyone's like, Oh, things could be going go back to peace and normality again. They're going to have Taronda swoop in and kill her and then kill a whole bunch of other people and plunge everything into nightmarish madness. See,
0: I don't think that That's... they're going to go that route with Tyrande. I don't see them going that route with her, but I do see them pulling her into this quasi-redemption arc where it's like she realizes that she's falling down the same path as Sylvanas, the person who oh, okay. did all I of this to what her. Yeah. yeah, I thought you were saying Sylvanas was going to have that realization. No, no, no. no. is going to come up in... with that realization realization and she's going to be like oh i can't and then she's go- the one that who's good to it's basically like this trite storyline where she recognizes sylvanas in herself and, and says oh i can't Joe, be that i'm you hoping know?
2: so Joe. much go ahead i think you'll recognize this
1: oh okay
2: there's go a, ahead. There's, a, there's a scene in the uh comic um on the under the red hood storyline where batman and jason totter both arguing over yep, the okay i know exactly where you're going i think with i know this.
0: what you're talking about too with the under the red yep. hood
2: but go ahead yeah
0: fill fill people in
2: <laughs> the part where you know jason todd says to batman he goes wait you,
0: know, you need to you need to give some context around this for people okay. who have not okay. read this just s- Guys, brief summary
2: the second robin jason todd was murdered by the joker um in this storyline he was thrown into a lazarus pit which is a device by rosh al ghul that allows people to come back from the dead um he comes back from the dead and spends years incocting an elaborate plan to get gotham's criminals to bring the joker out so he can grab the joker and and use him in a confrontation with batman because he's he batman thinks that that the second robin jason todd is angry at him for not having saved him from the joker and he's not he says straight up no bruce i forgive you for that i want to know why he's still alive mm-hmm. and batman says I, you know there hasn't a day that gone by that I, i've wanted to kill him but if i kill him if i go down to that dark place i'll never come back and Todd's response is why I'm not talking about killing the Riddler or dent I'm talking about him just him and doing it not not for some great reason doing it because he took me away from you and I feel like at the point where if there was ever a point where Toronto was like at you know oh I'm becoming like Sylvanas I feel like her her reaction should be no, it doesn't i can, I can do anything I want to her and I'm not nearly as bad as she is because I'm not doing it to innocence I'm doing it to her. Yep. Just her. Yep, and she
1: deserves it. And and that's the part that I'm worried about. Right, is not so much that that's what the end result would be, but we're going to get to that point, and then we're going to swing the pendulum the other way, and then we're going to have to unite to stop her from doing this thing. But and I say this as a horde player, Tarot's justified. I cannot look at everything that's happened up to this point and and sit there and think, oh yeah, I'm cool with that because I'm not. I'm a shaman that that destruction of earth and soul and spirit that's not cool her reaction totally justified in my eyes if she were to come in and want to wipe the floor with her, horde i wouldn't even blame her at this point but yeah, you'd, I,
2: you'd have to as a as a horde player you'd have to defend yourself for self-reservation reasons but i wouldn't but blame her yeah it's not like that's the thing when you call it consumed by vengeance you act like it's an irrational thing exactly and that's the thing that's been bothering me from the beginning is it isn't irrational At this point, trusting the Horde is irrational for the Alliance. I agree. And now, does that mean that what Sarfang did shouldn't give us pause? No, it should give us pause. But the Horde needs to do more before we can trust them. And that's part of the story. There should be a journey here.
1: And 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 to circle back to the Shander Feathermoon thing, that's another thing that bothered me a little bit about her reactions, too, as a Horde player, was when you're interacting with her, how chill she is about everything. Like, there's no snide comments. There's no... There's no, I know what you did to our people. You were complicit in this. or none of that.
0: Think you would think that of anyone in that assembled group, she would be the one to have exactly. at least some kind of grudge and express exactly. it.
2: My only reason I don't have a problem with that is that it's Chandris and Chandris. If you if you went through the, the quests on the Alliance side and you do, like Chandris is cold during all of that. At one oh, point, she absolutely like, is. Yeah. Yeah. You, she, you're like, you're like told that you're going to be killing a whole bunch of people and it's going to do this and that. And she's like, yes, that is what will happen. And she just, I honestly feel like Chandra's Feathermoon is the person who just does the arithmetic in her head, says, okay, it's going to cost that many lives. Then that's how many it's going to cost. Do it. And I think she's completely willing to sit like there that... and be completely, you know, I'll be as pleasant as can be while I feel... I'm thinking of ways to kill you all.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that actually is kind of a reflection of Shandris's character, too, because you have to understand where she came from initially. She was orphaned in that first war against the Burning Legion, in the War of the Ancients, so many years ago, um, and had nobody. And she saw the horrors of all of that firsthand as a small, small child. So she's well aware of the costs of these kind of things. And you guys, she's had you ten thousand years to come to terms with it. Is the thing?
2: Did you did you see her in Asgjatar? The, yeah. the bit she gets like with her family, the, the yeah. relatives, and so you forth. talk mm-hmm. about it, but yeah, yeah. There's just there's a there's a real reserve and a control to chandras I some of the portrayals of chandras have not been to my liking. Like there's the one that they did in Legion, where like she falls down and weeps at Duranda's feet. That I was always like, what the heck is going on, Shandris? Like they kind of they act like it's it's written like the ten thousand years didn't happen, but most of the Chandra's appearances definitely seem to understand that it's been a long time, a very long time, and she's moved on. She moved on from Jarrett Shadow Song. I mean, she she loved him at the time, but it didn't work out, and she moved on. You know, he married someone else. That's what happens. I'm gonna just I'm gonna be the head of the of the Sentinels. I'm gonna do my job. When you know, Taronda went missing you know she just dealt with it that she does that's her thing she she copes because like ann said she you know she witnessed her her parents get murdered right in front of her by demons ten thousand years ago and she's kind of the batman of of the Calderai. she just moved on she she turned it into motivation so i don't necessarily mind her not being snippy because that's not her she's not like Sylvanas with the sarcasm, which she's brilliant at, by the way, you know, thumbs up, good sarcasm, but that's not Chandris. Chandris, if Chandris decides to kill you, she just does it. There's, there's an old line from, I think it's Terry Pratchett. If you're ever in the power of someone who's like a loaded crossbow pointed at you and they're about to kill you, pray they're an evil person because an evil person will gloat. They'll, they'll love to gloat and they'll want to get, they'll give you time to come up with something. A good person will just kill you and move on because if if they're going to kill you, they've decided they have to kill you. They'll just do it because they're not there to gloat. They're not going to take any pleasure out of it. So they're just going to do it. That's Chandra's feather If she decides you have to die, she's just going to kill you and move on. There's no gloating. There's no, she doesn't take any joy out of it. That's why I think to a degree, it would be worse if Chandra's was in charge for everyone, like for there to be peace. You don't want Chandra's to be in charge of the military or rather, maybe that would help for peace, but you, the actual war that she was leading would be worse for everybody involved because she would make in a way she would make the same kind of hard decisions that Saurfang would make. She would be the only one going, okay, we're just going to have to burn their entire village. That's the only way we're going to win. Yeah. And that's, I want them to do more with these characters because they have, this is why it was so maddening not to see any of them there at eight point, you know, like in 8.25. The reason it was so maddening for me was because we don't get to see what Taranda and Maiev and Chandris are doing. You know, we, so it's all just hanging there and we don't know. We don't know what they're up to. We don't know what's going on in Darkshore.
0: We Do you think no Teronda is basically being held in reserve and they're going to bring her back at some point for a more in-depth storyline, like maybe an 8.3 or later? I don't think she'll be back in 8.3. I think 8.3 is going to be Nazoth and
2: it's going to be the, the figures we've already seen. It's going to be like Lorthamar and uh, Jaina and Chandris and uh, the Lysra and all of those. I think when we see... Tyrande again uh, I think it might be in the next expansion Uh, I think it might have something to do with the whole thing that the Night Warrior and Aluna and what it means Um, I definitely think if Sylvanas comes back at a future date because it doesn't look like she's coming back in 8-3 it looks like 8-3 is going to be If whenever Sylvanas comes back I would hope Tyrande comes back
1: yeah, I would hope so too.
0: I feel like whenever we have whatever final reckoning we need to have with Sylvanas, whether it end in her death or her redemption or something else, Taranda's gonna have to be involved with that. And yeah. I'm kind of concerned about that because again, I'm I'm kind of concerned about the idea that this is like it's like a mirror to Sylvanas's situation and she's going to come to some grand conclusion about all of that but in a way it almost feels like Sylvanas is her Lich King right now yeah Sylvanas is the one that did this to her so Sylvanas is the one that needs to pay and I'm kind of worried because there okay Keep in mind that there are several different ways that they could write this and with the writing team that they have, I have no doubt in my mind that it could be handled handled in an absolutely beautiful, touching way that's gonna like make all of us cry and just completely lose our everything, you know. Um, but there's also a way that it could be written where it just comes across as trite. And I'm and I'm and I'm worried because I don't want Taronda to have a trite write up. You know what I mean? I would like to her to have a story That's like a meaty Meaningful story Because she hasn't had one She just hasn't had one Even in Storm Rage, When she should have had one It was more about Malfurion And everything that Taronda was focused on Was with It, it was it, contingent upon Her helping Malfurion that's, that's all she was focused on So we haven't had anything with Taronda That's just Taronda. Just her dealing with who she is, who she's become, not necessarily how she relates to the people in her life, because that's all it's ever been. And it's just it's kind of frustrating to me because that character has a lot of potential. Yeah,
2: the pieces are there and they they did some good work in setting the stage to tell that story. Um, I thought Legion really did a good job of like that moment where she had to choose between her duty and and Mothurian and she chose her duty.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and that's a good that was a good thing but it doesn't it's not enough to set the pieces in place you have to eventually knock them down you have to actually do the story and that's Tyrande always comes up close but doesn't get there and I really feel like we're at the point uh, maybe this just wasn't the time and I accept that that's the case if that's the case but it feels like we built right up to it and then we just haven't done it yet you know what I mean?
0: I am seriously hoping that whatever comes for Taronda, it also involves another character that we haven't seen since she managed to sneak away, and that would be Delorin Summermoon, who is now undead. Um, yeah, that's want unresolved. To, I really want to see her make a return. Um, Did we not kill her at the warfront? Because that's the no. thing I never could tell. No, she, she escaped. escaped. She escaped. Uh, that's um, And... I really want to see her again. I really liked her story leading up to Battle for Azeroth. And I want to see it continue. And I will admit that part of this is because she's voiced by Erica Lindbeck. Who does a phenomenal job with that character. Um, just a phenomenal job with that character. So I kind of want to hear her again. <laughs> but I, I feel like Delerin has... Delerin and the others that were raised and chose to stay with Sylvanas, they have a lot to say. And I feel like we haven't heard what they've had to say yet.
1: And I think that when we see Dalaran again, and I agree like that, that's, it's sort of an unresolved story point. Yeah. But I think that it's going to be something to do with Terod simply because what was it? It was Syrah, uh, Dalaran, and there was a couple others, right? That were
0: Yeah. That were that named.
1: Were, that were named. Uh and when they came back, it was they told Tehran that she and Alun had abandoned them despite their trust in her. And so now they were forsaken. And well, now we're gonna be Dark Rangers. Peace. So like they're all sort of tied together. And I think that anything that happens with the continuation of Tehran's story is going to have to do something with them. Because they are what they are. Like that's where we Going way, way, way back, I thought that these quests were interesting because it turned out that being raised was a choice for them. They were, yeah, because those wasn't... Dark
0: Rangers they they basically straight up told Taronda that the whole reason they were forsaken now was because Taronda and Alun had abandoned well, them, despite their trust in both of well, them.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, but beyond that, raising anything as a forsaken in this particular mm-hmm. case, when you're going through the Dark Shore. Not everyone you go to raise, raises. Some of them come back as vengeful wisps. It's a choice that they are making, their spirit is making, whether or not to accept the gift or curse of becoming uh, whatever the Forsaken is. And there are some people there,
0: yeah, there are some people there who are unhappy enough with how things are going that they actually chose to become a Dark Ranger. They chose to side with Sylvanas. And that story... It still it's hasn't unresolved. been told. There's, yep. there's more to that. There's more to exactly. th- whatever the whatever the reasoning was behind that decision. That's the story I want to know.
1: And I think that until, and I think that we will get more of that, or at least I hope we do, when the Toronto stuff, Toronto start starts coming to a head, when that starts coming to completion. I, I don't think that you can do that without sort of telling their story. They're too tied together.
0: Okay. I am going to shift tracks real quick here, if you guys don't mind, to something else entirely. Okay. Um, Because I want to go ahead and talk about Sylvanas again because we were talking on the Blizzard Watch podcast and we were talking about Sylvanas and and how the Forsaken weren't all necessarily, you know, entrusted to her, that kind of thing, and that there were signs of it way back in Vanilla and whatever. And that sent me down a rabbit hole. And now, if you imagine a really loud thunk... Like somebody has just dropped an entire stack of books. Just imagine that right now. So I've been doing some research, (laughs) basically, into all of this immediately after the show. And um, I went down a really weird rabbit hole. And I want to talk about this rabbit hole that I went down because it's a little strange. Um. So we were talking about Sylvanas and how there were people that weren't necessarily with Sylvanas at one point in time, right? Um. And one of the things that we brought up was Bellamore's research journal. Joe, do you remember this quest? It took place in Darren Mill.
1: I v- vaguely do. Yes.
0: Okay. So here's what happens with this quest. You, uh, you're sent from Terran Mill to go kill some traitors who have apparently defected and gone to, they've taken some valuable stuff and they've gone to the humans that are like right outside of the on bubble and you're sent to go take care of them and by take care of them I mean you kill them and the last one that you kill his name is Keegan and he's standing there with Bellamore, Warden Bellamore who is the warden in that particular area in Alterac and when you kill her, you get this thing that drops sometimes, and it's called Bellamore's research Journal. and it's a it's a it's a readable piece of text. And when you read it, you learn why those forsaken came out there to begin with. Um, and Keegan, when he came to Bellamore, he said, Remnants of the old gods still linger in the deep hollows of the world. New forces seek to harness that ancient power and those who succeed will have a terrible weapon against their enemies. And then he handed her this thing called a bloodstone pendant. Mm-hmm. I started looking into bloodstone because I was kind of kind of curious about this because I'm like, maybe there's like a connection between bloodstone and uh, serenite, where it's like, you know, old god stuff or whatever. But the bloodstone artifacts... The the things that you're trying to retrieve, they are Bloodstone rel- relics that belong to Sylvanus, and they were held by the Forsaken in a secure vault in the Undercities. And nobody really knew what they were for necessarily. Nobody really understood what they were for. Um, when Bellamore was researching it, was researching it and kind of doing her experiments and things, um, she realized that. The bloodstone was neither living nor dead. It had properties of both, and it was very bizarre, Um, and it also absorbed blood. Like, blood was drawn to it and absorbed into it, and obviously all of this went nowhere because you killed her, right? Right. You killed her, mm-hmm. but it's not the first time that Bloodstone has been mentioned. It nor was it the last time that Bloodstone was mentioned because the other place that Bloodstone was mentioned was, um, I believe, it was when you were doing one of the Warlock artifact quests. I think you had to like go do something with Bloodstone and, and, and like incorporate it into something else, and that led me to this really weird rabbit hole chase where it talked about this group that was on Azrath. And they are mentioned way back in classic. They're called the Argus Wake.
2: I remember the Argus Wake because they're part of the third host.
0: Yeah.
2: Did you remember Misriel?
0: Yeah.
2: And that you need blood shards, you need bloodstone shards
0: to get her out. Yes. So. Yep. I feel like there's a tangle here, and I'm not sure if this tangle is related to what Sylvanus is doing or what she's been doing or or what's happened with her. I think it's fascinating that there was a group with the name Argus in their title all the way back in classic and we totally like forgot about them. They I mean obviously these guys must have been, you know, they were allied with they were they were grouped to the same group as like uh
1: the syndicate, right?
0: The the syndicate, the Shadow Council, that kind of thing. Where it's these people that were Obviously like allied with the Burning Legion At one point or another so that would explain Where the name Argus came from In terms of them But nobody questioned it or talked About it or talked about the origins of the Name or anything else it was just They were the Argus Wake And why Argus Why Argus Out of all of the names they could Have picked and why the Argus Wake like what does That mean
2: well, it so, could be the wake of a sh- like the wake of a thing moving through water leaves a wake. Yeah, uh, or it could be a wake. They they could literally be celebrating. It's a funeral, his death. For Argus, yeah. But there's interesting things to consider here too. When I I remember when I wrote about the uh, the, the the Argus wake mm-hmm. and other other supposed legion things, there's a lot of talk about the third host. Yeah, which was what is, and they never they never explain what they mean by third host. Do they mean a third army, or do they mean a, a third host, like as in something that you know a someone would take control of? And we originally thought, like I originally thought, that Sargeras was the thing that was going to need a new host. But what if something else needed a new host, something or some things?
0: Yeah. That was the yeah. other thing that I was thinking about because the the thing is is the Argus Wake has also made use of Bloodstone, mm-hmm. and they've actually distributed the Bloodstone among the Syndicate. And this is well, again, this is all kind of stuff that takes place like way back when. So, and and if Bloodstone is in fact related to the Old Gods, okay, that explains it. But I feel like Bellamore's research journal is really telling when she says. This is neither alive nor dead, and also that it absorbs blood. Because what has Sylvanas been doing all expansion? What have we been doing
1: this expansion?
0: Not just
1: Sylvanas, what have we been doing?
0: Yeah, but when you go through that whole epilogue point with Sylvanas, and she talks about how we've been killing people and killing people and killing people, and it's all been for some purpose... I keep going back to the bloodstone and how the bloodstone gets more powerful the more blood you give it. And then on top of that, the fact that Bellamore was onto something when she said, It's neither alive or dead. And I'm like, is this even an old god thing at all? Or is this wait, something wait, to wait. do? Okay, you're you're getting it, Rossi. Okay, talk. You can make an old god. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You can make a blood god. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they did. The Titans did. They made a blood god. Uh-huh. That could reanimate Loa and used Loa as fuel to make more things. And did. When you go to uh, the-, the prison, you see there's the the chimera boss that is actually stitched together Loa corpses. Yep. That are animated. So you can corrupt even Loa.
0: And Sylvanas had no problem allying with Zandalar, and I wonder why.
2: Well, the thing is, Razan's dead right now. Mm-hmm. And we've got a Death Loa who's in charge of the Zandalari Loa, a Death Loa who is not. Now, keep in mind,
0: yeah, he's not fond of Sylvanas at all. He's afraid Uh, of her. Yeah. So, what is she doing that
2: scares him?
0: I know, right? But here's the thing: did we ally with Zandalar because we needed their forces, and admittedly, we did need their forces? But is there another reason that Sylvanas decided? Or did we need the
1: research of the Blood God?
0: Was she there for that purpose? Because we didn't see her at all when we were going through Xandalar. She was off doing her own thing. We don't know what that own thing was, what her own thing was. We don't know if she was in Orgrimmar. We don't know if she was like, we have no idea. But in Xandalar, there's all this stuff that lends towards the whole, it all goes back to that bloodstone is what I'm saying. And maybe, you know, maybe my tinfoil hat is just a little too tight on my head or whatever. But I feel like this is important. Why did Sylvanas have those artifacts to begin with? Where did she get them from? That's never spoken of. It's well, when you never think about been it, told.
1: And you think about it too, like all the other things that we've had in the past that have involved old God blood, she knows about like Saranite. Saranite. We just had we had an entire expansion about it she knows intimately what it is used for what it is from like so of course something like that would be potentially a a tool for her but i mean oh god that's creepy that's scary
0: And it all goes back to Bellamore's research journal, which is actually like one of the things that I always kept, always kept. Even when we had limited resources and everything, I always hung on to that thing because it was fascinating and I expected something to come out of it and nothing ever did. But the thing is, is like Keegan keeps saying remnants of the old gods and all of this and I'm wondering... Does does he even know what the Bloodstone is for? Does he even does he just suspect it's an old god thing? Where did he hear the term old gods? Who told him that? Who was talking about that to him? Where did he overhear it from? And was it in relation to the oh, Bloodstone, or is the Bloodstone oh. something else?
1: So wait a minute. Here's a question. Here's a question. So remember that lovely little gem that was red on the top of uh, Gallywix's?
0: That was the Azurite.
1: Yeah, but it was red beforehand, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And it only reacted and changed after everything happened with Azeroth. But before then, it was just a red ore type substance that he liked and kept on his thing. And looking at Bellamore's journal, one of the things like they're talking about is doing all these tests, operating as if it was actual ore. And then it's you know, in fact it often acted precisely the opposite faction as expected. It was almost as if the pendant was deliberately fouling my experiments, like it was thinking and alive. Huh. I wonder if the bloodstones, even the corrupted ones or whatever, were the first pieces of Azeroth's blood.
0: And that's why Sylvanas reacted so strongly when she found out Azerite was a thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, remember too,
2: Azerite only started being Azerite recently. Yep. Yeah, because they had a piece of it on top of Gallywix's cane, but it just looked like a dull red m- stone, like a bloodstone. It didn't look like.
1: Yep, that's exactly what I... a
2: gleaming azurite. Yeah, so it's possible right now all those formerly bloodstone artifacts are currently chunks of azurite, and we don't. We'd have
1: know. to go to Dalaran to find. Aren't, aren't like most of them still quarantined there? I'm supposedly? not sure.
0: I'm not sure, but I do know. I do know that what Sylvanas may have been playing with was the precursor to Azerite. So then the other thing that I was thinking about is, why, why did Gallywix's stone turn golden like that? Like, what caused that transformation? And was it, was it the sword that pierced Azeroth and created that wound? Or was it something in the sword or having to do with the sword or the fact that it was Sargeras's weapon, that it was a weapon of a titan? that maybe oh, was god. imbued with titan energy joe do the thing you were just about to say and then i'll say the thing yes, I just yes do the
1: old god joe no i was just gonna say like i just realized i remembered something too about that journal where it calls out in addition to blood there are elemental forces fused within the stone fire water thunder and rock mixed with the blood but again blood of what although this mixture is outwardly inert all these forces seem to rage inwardly against each other so many more questions were raised about this amazing and foreboding material. Gee, that doesn't sound like Azeroth at all. Uh-huh. Like, not even a little bit. No. <laughs> go
0: Elemental ahead. Elemental
1: forces were with each other. Blood of... Oh, okay, sorry. Go ahead, Rossi. Okay,
2: Rossi,
0: go ahead. Remember when we killed Argus? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, we didn't take... We... Di- well, yeah, I guess we did kill... It was it was Argus coming back, but yes.
2: What did we bring to Ka- to Cadgar from Argus? a drop of something say it we brought a drop of his blood yes we did what if the bloodstone artifacts aren't azeroth's blood
1: but another one
2: but argus's blood yeah they had argus for how long how much blood could they have extracted from it
0: and the argus wake was working with bloodstone Mm -hmm. where did sylvanas get it from did she get it from the argus wake or the syndicate or did she like there's so much here you guys there's so much here and like I said, when I said, imagine the sound of a giant stack of books being smacked on a desk. Yeah, this is what I've been doing like the past couple of days is just digging through all this stuff like a squirrel. Um, I, think, I think there's something bigger going on here. And I think that it involves the Titans more than we think it does. And I think that whatever happened to Odin and whatever happened to Helia also involves the Titans in a way that we don't expect yeah and I don't know what that is yet but now I'm kind of like on the hunt so I didn't I didn't know what you guys would have to say to all of that I just wanted to bring it up because like I said it's this fascinating thing that I've been kind of like rabbit holing my way down and might actually explain something about Sylvanas that maybe we don't quite understand and have never understood you know what I mean
2: I think I know the beginnings of what you mean.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, uh, just because that's the kind of thing that we do on this show is we just go off on tangents. I had to bring up that tangent. Um, I think, however, we should probably wrap things up because I think we're running right about into our time limit, unless you guys have anything else you want to add to the whole Bloodstone thing.
2: Not yet, but I definitely think that we want to pay attention to...
1: It's definitely a thread to pull on. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yep. Okay. Blizzard Watch, it's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Um, and then, because we've mentioned like a couple of different books over the course of the show here, uh, for you guys, listeners of Blizzard Watch, is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service they have I know for a fact that Wolfheart is on there Um, and you can choose that as your free download if you want to listen to that one and I highly highly recommend it specifically for background on Maiev and also background on Jared and what Jared was doing after he left the Night Elves and some additional background on Tyrande and Chandris Um, I don't know if Stormrage is actually available on audible? I don't know if it's one of the books that they actually came out with an audiobook version of. If it is though, check that out too. Um I recommend Wolfheart over Stormrage. It is. Okay, it is. All right. So, I recommend Wolfheart over Stormrage, but both of them are there and available. Stormrage involves uh, the awakening of Malfurion Stormrage and getting him out of the Emerald Nightmare and basically the whole discovery of what was going on with Teldrassil and what was going on with Fandral Staghelm. There's a lot of legit, really useful background information in there. So that's another one that you can pick up as well. Uh, you can download any of those. Blizzard has a bunch of other titles. Or if you're not interested in Blizzard books, there's like thousands of other titles to choose from, both fiction and non. And you can help support the show in everything that we do by signing up via blizzardwatch.com audible. And, let's see, I think we've kind of gone through all of the 8.2.5 stuff. So, if you have an email for the show, and we do like emails, and we like answering emails, you can send that to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Just be sure that you put Lorewatch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for the show. Or, if you don't want to bother with email, we do have a Discord for Blizzard Watch. There's a channel in there where you can go ahead and submit Q and podcast questions and that kind of thing. Just make sure that you label it. This is for Lorewatch watch. So we know it's for the show as well. Cause we do take questions from there as well. Pretty frequently. Um, final thoughts. Do you guys think that Tyrande and Malfurion are going to come out of this like they were, or do you think we're going to be dealing with like a new iteration of Taronda and Malfurion from here on out? Do you think this experience has changed them in a way that we will never see the old versions of those characters ever again? Joe.
1: I'm inclined to believe that I think I think they've been changed in a into a form that's not gonna be revertible and that's not necessarily. I'm not just a talking about thing.
0: the n I'm not just talking about the Night Warrior form. I Keep know. that in mind. I'm just talking yeah. about like the actual emotional shift that they've had
1: and that's that was where the next thing i was gonna go to is there's been too much that has been done to them there's too much that they've lived through at this point there's too much that has personally hurt them in cause them to think in completely different ways that i think they're forever changed and that's not necessarily a bad thing for character development and growth because that's what should happen it shouldn't be These awful things happened. We've had to do all these things, and now we're back to being happy flowery and and everything's great. I think it's okay. It's going to be interesting to see what that means for them long term, but I don't think the old Malfurion, I don't think the old Taranda are going to be what we see going forward anymore.
0: Rossi,
2: same question. I don't think you witnessed the deaths of thousands of your people and come out of it the same. I don't think... Malfurion had committed himself to... I'm trying to think of the right word. Neutrality, um, working with both sides, not taking sides, and this neutrality
0: is, is probably a pretty good way to put that. This is what
2: his reward was for it. One of the two groups, like you know, the only reason the horde even has druids at this point is because Malfurion taught. Druid, druidical magic to Hamul rune totem. That is the reason that there are Torin druids, and that's the reason the Horde had druids. I mean, at this point, the the, to- the troll druids are from a different source, but nevertheless, Malfurion was the one that started that. He befriended Hamul. He did not react. Even while the Horde was attacking in both Ashenvale and Azshara, he did not react. He did not oppose them. He did not lend his power. Even when the Horde was firebombing astranar. And that's to the point where Leara and Fandral, you know, made common cause with Ragnaros and attacked him. He did not react. He did not oppose the Horde. And what is the Horde He do? still
0: took them in and yep. asked for their assistance when we were assaulting the Firelands.
2: Yep. He never once picked sides against the Horde, even when the Horde was directly attacking his people. And what was his reward? Not only did they burn down, you know, Ashenvale, they burned a path straight through Ashenvale up into Darkshore. Not only did they burn down Teldrossel and kill thousands of his people, not only did they destroy, and like we're talking ripping like you know, oil out of the ground and then using that oil to burn the forests, slaughtering animals, you know, and you want to name it they did it. And then to boot, supposedly their honorable warrior attacked him from behind while he was fighting Sylvanas to save his people. Is Malfurion Stormage ever going to be the same again? No. You could not come through that and still be the same. He can't even have revenge. So yeah, I don't I don't see that. And Taronda, Taronda went to the place where she went to her god, and she said to her god, give me the power. She didn't ask for it. She demanded it. She said, give me the ability to be your vengeance. Give me the Night Warrior. I'm not asking you for this. I'm not pleading for this. I am telling you to give me this. And Alun did it. Alun is always Alun and, and Taranda have always had this relationship. Alun picked Taranda over Mayev to be her high priest. When Mayev was the one who was, by all accounts, the one to get it, she was the next in line. When Deshanna died, Mayev should have become high priest, and instead, you know, Alun picked Taranda directly. They've always had a direct relationship. If Taranda has become this, it's because Alun wanted her to be it. I don't. There's no way back. There's. These are events that change your life. They change the direction of your life. Even if this isn't the the beginning of a new kind of night elf, it is definitely a new phase of night elf existence. And I think phase is really good word to use here because we're talking about a moon goddess. This is a new chapter and they're not going to when this is all over, if they've, you know, let's say let's assume they've reclaimed everything they lost, they've, you know, taken back the lands that were theirs, they've gotten some form of revenge. They're never going to forget that it happened, you know. How long has it been since Silvermoon got messed up? Have the Blood Elves forgotten?
1: No, they've even said, I mean, I'm pretty sure one of their voice lines is never forget.
2: There is no way that the Night Elves are ever going to forget that time that Blood Elves came into their lands and murdered them on behalf of the Horde. Mm -hmm. And they did. They're right there. There is no way they're going to forget that the Trolls came up, that the Tauren came up. It wasn't just Orcs. It wasn't just Forsaken. It was all of them. They're never going to forget it. There's this. I don't know how you can have peace going forward, but maybe even if you can not have peace, you're never going to forget this. This doesn't go away. They're different people.
0: Okay. As for myself, um, I think it's. I want to see how Teranda and Malfur I want to see them getting the news of what Saurfang did in front of the gates of Ogrimmar, and I want to see how <sighs> they react to it. I want to see that. I want to see that moment, and I hope that it doesn't happen behind the scenes. But regardless,
1: yeah,
0: regardless, that's going to wrap us up for this week. Um, Next week, we're probably going to focus on answering you guys' emails. So again, send those in if you have any questions about anything we've talked about in the past couple of weeks or anything else that happens to be going on. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you again next week.